skiing. Snowboarding, skiing. snowboarding, always fun. I like it. How many of you are skiers? Snowboarders? Oh, it's getting closer every year. Thanks, Pastor. Thanks, Pastor Tim. You do a great job. I, uh, you got to be young to do that stuff. Those all-nighters with those young people. Wow. Good stuff. How you doing? Are we having a heat wave yet outside? No? Okay. Well, just wait 10 minutes, right? It'll, it'll come back. We're in that middle of kind of up and down. It's cold. It's hot. It's cold. But uh, we like it. Yeah, there is a lot of orange out here. Guys, it's going to be an interesting day, isn't it? Um, we, are, we are in a fun series called The Journey with God. And just want to welcome you to that. Last weekend, we talked about Saul, who became Paul. His conversion was crazy. Uh, the light hit him from heaven, the voice of the Lord. And they take him in, and Ananias comes and brings healing to his eyes. And he's baptized, and all, all kinds of good stuff is happening to Saul. And uh, he comes and tries to join the church, and the believers don't think he's really changed. And so they say, no. And then who steps in? Barnabas. Barnabas steps in and says, hey, he's the real deal. God really has gotten a hold of his heart. So let him in. So he's in. And Paul and Barnabas began their journey of planting churches and preaching the gospel in every city they go to. And God begins to move and people start coming to faith and all kinds of amazing things happen. Mostly because they decided to never, ever, ever give up. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about today is if, if we're going to have this journey with God, we're going to have to make a decision about our level of commitment and how willing we are to persevere. Now, if you teach on a word like persevere, um, how many of you think it's a good idea to look it up in the dictionary to see what it really means? Okay. Because have you ever thought a word meant something that it really doesn't? <laughs> You're using it wrong all the time. It's very embarrassing. Um, so I always look up these key words, and I found this to be pretty much what I thought it was. But what got me was all the different ways that this dictionary that I was using describes perseverance. Some of them are a little corny, but it's cute. Listen to this, perseverance. Persist, continue, carry on, go on, keep on, keep going, struggle on. Hammer away. <laughs> be persistent. Be determined. Follow something through. Keep at it. Press on. Don't take no for an answer. Be tenacious. Stand one's ground. Stand fast. Stand firm. Hold on. Go the distance. Stay the course. Plod on. Stop at nothing. Leave no stone unturned. <laughs> it says, plug away and stick to one's guns. <laughs> Hang in there. All these funny phrases like, boom, you're never going to stop. If you do that, you're going to get the job done. I guarantee you. And what was ironic, after that long list of words, there was only one antonym. The opposite. You want to know what they said the opposite of perseverance is? To give up. To give up. And I'll tell you, I'm seeing people in this culture give up. People are checking out of their relationships. People are checking out of the issues in their life. They're checking out of a job they've had for years, pressure, stress. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to show you that Paul faced all this stuff that we face in our lives and, and how he made it through. The first thing in your notes, 
Number one, Paul faced jealousy and slander. Paul faced this, this jealousy in many of the Jews, and they actually slandered him and said terrible things about him. And he's a normal guy like we are. He has feelings just like we do. Now, what I've done is I've just taken a few little verses out of Acts 13 through 15 to give us the feel of what Paul's life is like now in the ministry. And he gets hammered a lot. I mean, he, it's tough. Acts 13, verse 44. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Now, that's exciting so far. But when some, some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So they slandered Paul. They argued against whatever he said. Just these two little verses and we see Paul's up against it. Paul is going to have a battle on his hands. Um, I don't know if you've ever had someone just flat out lie about you. How many of you had someone say terrible things about you that just were not true? Well, how, did that, how did that impact you? Like, what's the feeling that it leaves in you? It's a, it's a terrible feeling because at first you just, want to, you just want to reach out and fix it and tell everyone that's a lie, that's not true. And, uh, you know, they can look at you like, oh, right, you know, I read it in the newspaper, it has to be true. Did you get that? Um, I read it in someone's blog, it has to be true. Oh, I read it on the internet, so we know it's true. I'll tell you, man, lies hurt. And and I think some people say, well, Paul's a tough guy. He's got thick skin. He can get over it. I think it hurt him. I think any time, no matter what level of leader you are, when someone says mean things about you or slanders you or lies about you to someone else, it hurts. And I think I think we're all going to face this. But what is what what's going to happen to you? Are you going to shrink back and stop, or will you persevere? Will you press through? Will you look at the source and say, I've got to find a way through this? In this case, what is the root of this slander? The Bible actually tells us. Jealousy. I think jealousy is the root of a lot of slander. And it could be that they're jealous of your influence. They're jealous that you are liked and they are not. They are jealous that you have been welcomed by someone they have not been welcomed by. It's not always about money. Or power, sometimes it's just the little things. Paul drew a huge crowd, and the other Jews who had taught there before didn't. And so jealousy is birthed. And they're like, wow, we're going to make this guy pay for this. Insecurity causes us sometimes to lash out at those who have what we wish we had. Are you, are you insecure? It's a good question. It's, it's kind of like... We're all insecure, but maybe like in different places, right? You can see someone really confident in one area and super insecure, and you go, wow, that's shocking. I thought they were a confident person. Well, they're a confident person when it comes to this, but they're very insecure when it comes to this. Here's the point. You're going to have people say things that are not true about you. People are going to say things about this church that are not true. And how are we going to respond? In 2015, I am highly committed to walking through the storm, to walking through the challenges, and to keeping my eyes set on God and to please Him and play for an audience of one. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. Some of you have been wounded by your own family. People have taken shots at you. 
And, and you're going to have to step back and do something with that that maybe you've, you've never done before. One reality check before we get to the suggestions. Anytime you decide to stand for something unwavering, you're going to be criticized. You know why? Because there's two sides of that. There'll be a side that we're with you and they love you for it. Keep standing. Wow, go. But that other side is saying, you're wrong. That's not the right standard. You need to change. And so when you decide to take a stand, and I hope all of us are people who are willing to take a stand for what's right, somebody's going to criticize you for it. And that has impact in your life. So how are you going to be prepared to do that? I've put some suggestions down in your notes. Three things under this one. That is, be kind. When, when someone is slanderous toward you, um, make up your mind right then that you are not going to become just like them. But that's typically what happens. Would you agree? It's like, you say that, well, I'll say this. Well, I've got deeper stuff on you. <laughs> Wait till this gets out. And all of a sudden, we're a creep. All of a sudden, we're doing stuff that we didn't think we would ever be doing. We're, we're getting caught into this web of horrible words and hateful emails. And, and all of a sudden, we just need to step back and say, Wait a minute. I, I think it's fine to separate yourself from that person. It might end a friendship. It might be silenced in, in a family member for a while. But you don't have to just become a mean person and live with that. The other day I was, sometimes I like country music if I'm in the mood. The modern stuff. Taylor Swift was singing that song. All you're ever going to be is mean. All you're, I don't know if this is one of her ex-boyfriends or what. I don't know the story behind it. If you want to let me in on it, I'll, I'll be fine. But. All you're ever going to be is mean. So be kind. The second one is be honest. You know, something that, that happens in a good way, I think, is when I've been hurt, when people have lied about me or said things that were hurtful to me, I've been really honest about the hurt. I've, I've had to say to my wife, Bonnie, or my kids, man, this hurt. I, I feel horrible that someone thinks that or said that. Um, it's not true. And, and I just, I don't know what to do. But it's pretty humbling to just feel the pain. And I think that's a good place to come to God. It's just to feel the pain of it, feel the disappointment of it, and be hurt by it, and realize what you can control and what you can't control. Because there's certain things you're not going to be able to fix, and certain things you're not going to be able to control. I also um, think it's very appropriate to set the record straight when you have the opportunity to do so. And, and that means confrontation. It means you have the right to say, why did you say that about me? That's not true. And you know it's not true. Why would you put that inflection on it? Um, so it's just a challenge. But I think being honest. And then the third one is be humble. You know, I, I wonder if, uh, if I can learn to have empathy for those who lie about me. That's, that's a pretty big step. You know, I, I really, as a kid... When I read that passage that says, pray for your enemies, like I understood it. Because I'm like, okay, God, strike them down. Give them a disease. Take them out. You know, chop their legs off. You, I mean, just, you just, you just, I can pray for my enemies. You have, yay, God. Get them. And then I kind of realized that's really not what the Bible teaches. Very disappointing day, by the way. Humility. Don't get all huffy and go do something dumb. Right? 
We've got to learn we're going to be in situations where not everyone believes in us. And it's sad and it's hurtful, but oh well. Move on. Persevere. Trust God and do what you can. Number two in your outline, Paul faced disunity in the church. Not only did he face personal attack and personal slander, but he dealt with the corporate thing called the church. Now, as long as you have a church, you're going to have trouble. As long as you have people, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have different opinions. Nothing wrong with that. I've said for years, and I'll say it again right now, unity is not uniformity, but diversity with cooperation. Okay? Unity is not uniformity. We're not all the same. We don't look the same, act the same, dress the same. Thank God. But diversity with cooperation. It means that I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to see your differences. And I'm not going to prejudge that. I'm simply going to say, tell me more. Right? And this church has done that. You guys have done this really well. You, you, you love people that are not like you. You're never going to know everybody at Timberline. And you're not going to be like a lot of people at Timberline. But we are still part of the family of God and in the kingdom of God. Now, Paul, this is kind of a bizarre. Let me just tell you the backdrop and I'll read a little section of it. But in Acts 15, it's called the Council of Jerusalem, probably at the top of your little Bible notes. Because it's, it's one of the, it's, have you ever heard someone say we need a come to Jesus meeting? And what that means is we're going to all get together and figure this out. So all these Jews who have been the, the story of the Bible up until Jesus died on the cross, and Paul starts preaching, and guess who starts getting saved? Gentiles. This has never happened before. So Gentiles are coming to faith, and the Jews are saying, oh, whoa, this is weird, we're thankful for it, but they need to be circumcised. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. And some of the Gentiles are going, Really? <laughs> This really needs to happen? And Jesus is saying, yeah. So Paul and Barnabas say, no, it doesn't. That's something, that's, that's from the law of Moses. We're in a new era. Jesus doesn't require that. And so, and there was a fight. And I mean fight, arguing. That's wrong. That's not right. That's not being true to the law. And so they said, look, you bring some people. Let's all meet in Jerusalem and we'll talk this out. Also, meat that's been offered to idols is in there too. Should we eat it? Should we not? Depends on the idol, blah, blah, blah. Acts 15, 1. While Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by several local believers, to talk to the apostles and to the elders about this question. The church sent delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way and they visited and the Jews were happy that the Gentiles were coming to faith as well. Let me ask you this question. How did we end up with so many denominations in America and around the world? <laughs> I, I had a, a guy tell me, this has been a while back, but he said, I know of a city in the south where there's like a church on every corner, but there's literally, the names of the churches are, three of them anyway, First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist. And they all came out of the same church. And I'm not picking on the Baptists, okay? But I, I, just, I just, when I think about denominations, I, I love the story of the two little boys that were talking about denominations, about this tall one of them says to the other one, 
which abomination do you belong to? (laughs) I don't believe there are abominations, by the way. But we have challenges because we have differences of opinion. And someone doesn't like something and they go start their own church. They leave and go do what they want. I have preferences. You have preferences. You like things a certain way. You you like certain dress codes. Some people in our church like certain kinds of songs, certain kinds of tempo, certain kinds of volume. And we're always trying to play somewhere in the middle so that people can have some of their preferences. Because I believe it's okay to have a preference, right? I like certain things. I don't want, if if, if you invited me over and said, all I'm going to serve you is liver, oh, I would try to eat it, but I wouldn't eat very much of it. I would like move it around on my plate, like all over. And I would pray you had a dog, because I'm quick. I just don't like it. But see, some of you, I take this chance. How many of you actually have a way to prepare liver that you like it? Oh, come forward for prayer right now. And no, don't let me try your recipe. See, we all are different. We all are different. But that's what makes church special. That's what makes the kingdom of God bigger than you. Bigger than me. Bigger than us. Praise God. I love the bumper sticker that says, Life is too short to belong to a bad church. It's true. Have you ever heard of the words church split? I'm sorry if you've ever gone through one of those. There's a lot of pain around church life and religion. Why? Because of this. So I have a few suggestions. Let me just walk through them. Um, Be a good listener. You know, I'm amazed at how many times I'm in a setting where two people are trying to work something out, but one person is doing all the talking. With this. It's the woodpecker finger. And they're basically just telling. If you did this, if you did this, if you did this, then we could work it out. The other person tries to speak. No, if you did this. It's like, this is not a conversation. Let's learn to listen. Let's, let's be a church that actually can bring that conflict to the table and say, I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to hear your logic. It might make sense to me, it might not, but I'm going to be open-hearted. And I may have my very same conclusion when we're done talking, but I'm going to listen to you. And I'm going to have an open heart about listening to you. Because I think it's so, so important that we just don't make this assumption that we're always right. But if you had to be honest, how many of you usually are right? See, look! See, there you go! <laughs> That's... That's our default mode right there. Another one, the second one under that is make clear your concerns. You know, if if I have to settle something with somebody, I just want to bring them in. I want to say, look, here's my concerns. This is what I've been told. I don't know if it's true or false. I want you to tell me what's, what's really going on here if there's a confrontation I need to deal with. I think it's really good to be heard, and I think it's really good for us to talk about issues that concern us. In Acts 15, they found a way to meet together. They talked it through. If you read the whole chapter when they come out at the end with what they're going to do, they still didn't get it all right because of the meat offered to idol issue. They didn't get it right. But they did the best they could with what they had in that moment. So sometimes we make decisions with just the best information we have. 
And we rally the people at church who are in leadership and our deacon team and our pastoral team. And we say, God's putting something on us. We want to put another campus over here. We believe God's asking us to buy that building. We believe we should do this serve 6-8. We believe God has some big stuff. We need to build a home in, in India. And we bring it to you and we say, this feels good. The Holy Spirit has put it in our heart. What do you guys think? Will you rally around this? Will you be visionary? Will you trust God? And you do and you have. And this thing just keeps growing and, and mushrooming into God's stuff. And it's awesome to be a part of it. It's fabulous to see it. I love it. The, the last one under that point is just find a way forward. Find a way forward. It's so important that you don't just quit. I, uh, I love what's listed at the end of our doctrinal position in our constitution and bylaws here at Timberline Church. And it's been around for a few hundred years. And this is what it says. And think about it. It's, it lists all of our doctrine, what we believe, and then it says this. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. This phrase occurs on a little tract on Christian unity written in 1627. During the 30 years of war, 1618 to 1648, is a really bloody time in European history, and it was much around religious views. And a scholar came up with that statement, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. The one thing, you guys, that we have to agree on is that we will love each other, even in our differences, that we're going to give grace where we need to, liberty where we need to, and to realize we are all not going to agree on everything, but we're going to agree on the essentials. And that's what makes great churches, and that's what makes great people, is when we can do that. Number three, this is, this is kind of the, the sad one, but it hits us really close to home. Paul faced confrontation and separation. He ended up walking away from, I think, his best friend. And that will grab you every time. And it was about this young guy named John Mark. Here's what happened. Here's the characters. Just, just listen to this. You know who Paul is. You know who Barnabas is. Well, Barnabas has a nephew. Most scholars think it's a nephew. Some say it's a cousin. But either way, they're, they're, they're family. John Mark is a young man who wants to be in the ministry. And he went with Paul and Barnabas on their last trip. They got to, I think it was Pamphylia, they, they got there, and Barnabas was tired. He felt overworked. Uh, Paul might have thought he was a little lazy, but he, he decided he's going to go back home to Mama. And he left Paul and Barnabas, and it really created a hardship for them. Because they had all their gear, all their stuff, and there was no one else who could help them at that time. So Paul is pretty ticked at John Mark. Okay, So Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and strengthen the churches and Barnabas says, I'd love to. Let's take John Mark. <laughs> Paul says, uh, no. Let me read it. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Acts 15, 36. Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia. And had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp. Interesting Greek word right there, which I'll come back to. 
so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. And then he traveled throughout Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. This word, so sharp of a contention, is actually uh, used rarely, and it, and it connotates uh, violence. Now, it doesn't mean that they came to blows physically, like, like physically hit each other. I do not believe they did. But there's a yelling match going on here. And Barnabas is angry, and Paul is angry. And it's a little bit of a crossing the line in terms of their temperament and controlling their temperament. That's how passionate they were. Paul was so passionate that he's not taking this loser kid again. And Barnabas is saying, this is how he's going to learn. And I believe he has it in him. And Paul's saying, I don't. So much so that Paul said, good, you take him and do what you want. I'll take Silas and do what I want. And they separate. Now, here's what's sad. This is the end this is the end of anything we know about Barnabas. There's a, if you Google this, you'll find there's an epistle called Barnabas, but it's fake. It's not, it's not canonized. It's not his real life. He disappears. After, after Acts 15, you will not read about Barnabas anymore. You know why? Because who's writing the book of Acts? Anybody remember? Luke. Luke is writing. Dr. Luke writes the book of Acts as a record of what's happening. And so he's writing down Paul's accounts. And so Luke is traveling now with Paul and Silas, and they go this way back to the churches. And Barnabas and John Mark disappear off into the sunset. It's sad. Because all Barnabas wanted to do was give John Mark another chance. Who was it that gave Paul another chance when he was still Saul? Barnabas. Remember? The disciples didn't want, they didn't believe Saul had changed. Guess who it was? Barnabas came and said, wait a minute, I'll defend this guy. He's the real deal. He's, he's had some mistakes in his past, but God's gotten a hold of him. And now that Barnabas wants to do this with John Mark, Paul says no. I wonder if Barnabas said, well, look, dude, I gave you a second chance. Why don't you give John Mark a second chance? But Paul stuck to his guns. It's a sad, it's a sad breaking up of two amazing guys. So what does that mean to us? What, what's going on in your life where you are still kind of riveted with some pain from a harsh separation? Some of you it's in marriage. Some of you it's, it's the whole kids or family or parents. Some of you it's work-related and bam, just it, and it, it kind of ripped your heart out and, and there's a piece of you somewhere else right now. Look, at these things are real. And and I think there's something here that we need to talk about. How are we going to get through these moments? Let me give you some suggestions. The first one is, you know, be strong in your conviction. I really respect Barnabas and I respect Paul because they both were strong in their conviction. They both believed they were right. Did God use Barnabas and John Mark when they took off? Of course He did. See, God can even use conflicts in our life. When we don't see it or understand it, the joy of this is later on at the end of Paul's life, he wrote, John Mark has been profitable to me in the ministry. But look at what happened. It cost them a lot of years where they weren't together, but be strong in your conviction. Sometimes you're going to have an opportunity to bend, and sometimes you should. But other times when you know you have to stick with it, stick with it. You know, I I see some people dating 
in our world right now. Oh, those of you that are in the dating world, just know I'm, I, we, I, wanna, I pray for you. But I cannot even imagine dating in this culture we're living in with internet and all these websites and all these, quote, Christian dating things. I had someone say to me, that's the worst place to find a mate. You know, there's a bunch of liars on there. You think of deception, and I just can't imagine. My heart really does go out to you. And one of the things that happens is, you know, when you're first meeting somebody, you don't want to just give them the whole load, like everything you are. You know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer, and I'm saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. How about you? You know, I mean, you don't really want to lead with that. But there's got to be some place somewhere in that communication where, you know, if you go too far down the road and they don't know anything about your faith or what you really believe, you're going to be way down the road and it's going to be like, oh, there is something else I need to tell you. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's something about being who you are on the front end and trusting God with that. I don't don't have it all, all figured out. I don't have to. I'm married. Thank God. Hey, let's, let's go to the second one. Don't give up on your mission. Don't give up on your mission. Here, here's what is interesting. John Mark could have ran into the bedroom crying and saying, Paul doesn't believe in me. Nobody believes in me. I'm a loser. I'll never have another chance. Wah, 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 wah. John Mark could have just, just he, he felt like a loser. Think of how, how Barnabas is coming. He probably hears the argument. And John Mark is left out, and Paul's not taking him. won't have anything to do with him. And John Mark doesn't quit. Please hear this. John Mark, guess who he is? He goes on to write the Gospel of Mark. That's what we have in this book. That's the guy. That's how you know he didn't quit. He continued his journey. He continued to trust God. He said, I'm not going to let this detour me. I'm not going to let this hold me back. Just because someone doesn't believe in you, sir, or ma'am, or young person, doesn't mean they're right. Because God believes in you. And He has a mission for your life. And just because someone doesn't believe in Timberline Church doesn't mean there's a mantle from God on this place. And our vision and our future. And we're going to do what God asks us to do in 2015. Never give up. We have to persevere no matter what is said about you. Don't stop. We learn that from Him. And then lastly, trust God for your future. Trust God for your future. You know, I think it's wonderful that they all ended up being friends again. And Paul talks about his love for Barnabas and that John Mark is profitable to him in the ministry. Time heals wounds. Some of you are in that gap before it's healed. And I want to pray with you about some of that today because it's hurtful. It's harmful. What does it mean for us to press in and persevere in our relationship, our marriages, our work relationships, our family relationships? What does it mean? I want to wrap up today by talking about something that happened this week. Once a month in our pastors' meetings, we sort of get out of the conference room and stop talking about vision and future and planning, and we just pray together. I shouldn't say just pray together. We pray together. And we make it personal. We really try to share what's going on in our life, and we pray for you and our church prayer needs often, but this is a day set aside to pray for one another. 
And we take the whole time, and this week we sat right in the prayer room, and the, the topic of anxiety, pressure, stress came up. And some people shared some real concerns from some of their friends in ministry who are about to quit or need to quit or about to fall out of it because of health. And we started talking about the signs of anxiety disorders and some things came up like skin rashes and your nervous system running up and down and your skin crawling, um, lack of sleep, the, the worry and the anxiety your mind not being able to stop. And then we've got this technology that's pressing us and pressing us and pressing us and pushing us. And it's another gadget. And it's another thing. And it's on us and on us and on us. And there's no peace. And suddenly our lives are so complicated that it's just easier to stop. That's why people are losing hope. That's why people quit. That's why people give up and they can't persevere anymore. And I'm going to talk more about this next week when I talk about Paul finishing well. What are the principles of you to, to finish well your life, both physically, spiritually, socially? Paul found a way to do that. But some of you are anxious today. If I thought of all the medications for anxiety, it, it just blows us away. I'm not a doctor. I have a great doctor. And I appreciate Medicines that make a difference and can help. And I believe in there's a time and a season for that. But I want you to know something today. I want you to know that we always should start by saying, God, I want to be the real deal. And I'm going to trust you. And that's how we worry less. There's one quote. George Mueller. Someone handed me this this morning. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. That's a cute little phrase and it's not that easy. But let's pray. Lord, I wish it was that easy, even though I like the quote. There's a lot at stake here in our lives. There's a lot going on. And we need you. If we're going to have this journey with you, we know that we're going to have to persevere through hardship, through broken promises, through conflict, through lies about us, all the stuff that we see, Paul had to keep going in order to finish well. So I just pray today that you will, you will be right here at the beginning of these kind of needs in people's hearts and emotionally. I want to pray, first of all, for those of you that would just say, I'm, I am right in that place where I'm losing hope. I, I love God, I'm trying, but I need peace and I need hope in the situation that I am in right now. Could I pray for you? Just slip up a hand. If you know that's you, let me pray over you. Amen. Amen. Lord, we need your peace. We just can't make it work out. Put your peace in our hearts and start with that and may the peace of God from the God of peace. Bring us peace. And may we have hope planted in the vineyard of our heart today. May it fall on good soil so that that seed can be nourished and watered so that hope will be a reality for us 
for those who have lost hope. I want you to believe, you guys. I want you to trust God. Where there's hopelessness and despair, God is there, I promise. He's there. Look up and see Him. Chase Him. The second thing I want to pray with some of you about is this whole perseverance thing. You right now are in a situation and you just know in your heart you've got to persevere through this. You're doing it, but you want to reaffirm that and let us pray over you for just, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking with it. It might take time, might take energy, but i got to just get through it all the way to the end. Hold up your hand. That's you. I just want to pray that into you. Lord, I thank you for those who have set their jaw, as they say. Those who have made a commitment to say, I will trust God and I will persevere. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe in you. And I'm going to find a way forward for the glory of God. And lastly, I just want to invite some of you who don't know God at all. Maybe you're here with a friend. Maybe you're here questioning it. That's okay. God's chasing you because you're in a relationship with God, whether you like to admit it or not. But we're a church that says, hey, we want you here. Ask the questions you need to ask. But if he's tugging on your heart today, then just say this in your heart. Lord, I come to you. I trust you. I want to give you my life, but I'm not sure how to do that. So I'm just going to start with forgive me and cleanse me. And help me to walk toward you today. And this is my first step to just walk toward you in my faith journey. I need you. I recognize that. And I have enough faith to believe you are God. And I submit to you and I trust you that you died on the cross for my sin. Now use my life and show me my purpose. In your name we pray all these things, Lord. And everyone said amen. Let's give him praise, church. Would you join me? We love you, Lord. We really do. I want our prayer team to come now. They're up here. They're willing to pray with you about any needs you have and uh, give them that opportunity, maybe just to seal the deal, as we say sometimes. God's talking to your heart. Great people. We'd love to turn you into a good barista and uh, cafe. Sign up out there if you would like to help. Lots of tables in the mall. Thanks for being a fun church with a serious mission. We're both. I love you for it. Say it with me. The service starts now. God bless you. Thanks for being Timberline. Have a great weekend.